We're starting this episode off a little different this week. We have our first sponsor. If you guys have been watching our Instagram account, you've probably seen it. There's a camera shop in Texas that I've worked with for quite a while now. It's called Precision Camera. And I've worked with the sales manager, Mike Luxembourg, for, I don't know, 15 years. And he started out here in Colorado at a, at a little camera shop. And they got an offer and went down there. And I just stayed with him. With today's internet and shipping and all that jazz, it's just super easy to stay with someone that knows what they're talking about and provides really good customer service. And that's what they do. Over the last couple of months, I've been talking to Mike. He's been listening to the podcast. He's like, hey, we want to sponsor your show. We think you guys talk to our audience. And, and I agree. One of the coolest things that Precision Camera offers, I run into all the time, is I'll have people ask me, hey, I need to get a camera for my son. I need to get a camera for my daughter. I want to buy a camera for my mom. Here's my budget. And this is my level of experience. And generally, I don't know, because most of the time it's a beginner photographer. And I really am not up on what's going on in the beginner camera lines. There's some really good stuff out there, but I just don't follow it. So I'm, I'm kind of at a loss. What Precision Camera offers is what's called a virtual showroom. What you can do is log into their website at precision-camera.com. So it's precision-camera.com. And right on the first page there, you'll see a link to the virtual showroom. You can go in there and schedule an appointment. And what you'll do is a video conference with a salesperson on the floor. And these people deal with all levels, all camera brands, all the time. And you're going to be able to tell them your level of experience or the person that you're buying for. And you'll be able to tell them your budget. And based off of that, you'll be able to narrow in on what is the best camera for what you have going on. Super cool. I'm going to send people to that from now on out because, like I say, I just don't have enough information on all the cameras that are out there. And you guys know there's just so many. One last thing. If you don't have time for a video chat, there is also a text chat option. If you have a quick question about a product, you can type in your question and somebody will get back to you very quickly. If you decide to do that and you decide to buy a camera, we got a good deal for you. With their sponsorship of the show... They've also given us a coupon code. If you go in, set up your account, create your purchase, get to the checkout screen, you'll get a little field on the checkout sheet that asks for a coupon code. And what you want to put in is wild and exposed. And what that gets you is $50 off of a $500 or more dollar purchase. So type in wild and exposed and capitalize the W, the A, and the E. Wild and exposed. And that'll get you 50 off of 500 we're super excited to have Precision Camera as a sponsor. Now on with the show. Welcome to Wild and Exposed. Your number one adventure, nature, and outdoor photography podcast. Wild and Exposed is hosted by Mike Morrow, Ron Hayes, Jason Loftus, and Mark Raycroft. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of Wild and Exposed, your wildlife photography and outdoor adventure podcast. This week, your hosts are Michael Morrow, Jason Loftus, and myself, Mark Raycroft. And our special guest is Michelle Valberg from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Michelle has been a professional photographer for 30 plus years, has traveled around the globe to many amazing destinations, including, sit down and, and get this, to the Arctic, an amazing landscape that I've always been drawn to 60 times. Can't wait to hear about some of those highlights. Michelle is a Nikon ambassador, 
yay, we have some representation for Icon, and we've had so much canon on lately. I'm anxious and excited to hear about what's potentially brewing and to hear about some more information of the Nikon mirrorless cameras. She's also the first Canadian Geographic photographer in residence. She is a fellow of the Royal Canadian Geographic Society and the prestigious Explorers Club in New York City. And she's self-published several books. I believe there's a new one coming out and has been in numerous national and international publications. Thank you, Michelle, for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's great to be here and see you again, but slightly different place. <laughs> yes, we met in person for the first time a little over a year ago when we were allowed to get together at social events. Imagine. We were at the inaugural mm -hmm. Howell Wildlife Photography Convention held in Whitney, Ontario, on the doorstep of famed Algonquin Park. That was a fun weekend. Oh, thanks. So if people are listening to this on audio platforms, high five. Thanks for doing so. But, of course, as you all know by now, we have a YouTube channel. Check it out and look at Michelle's background. She has a coastal wolf on her shoulder, and it's <laughs> eyeing my woodland caribou. Mm -hmm. I hope the caribou sticks around for the show. <laughs> <laughs> so... What's what's new? I mean, it's been a year and a half. What's, I have I have questions about wonderful destinations and and projects you've worked on and Nikon Nikon again, but how are, how are you doing? I'm awesome considering everything that's going on. But you know, our world has changed so drastically since October, and um, yeah, just trying to uh, stay in the creative spirit and and expand and reinvent and rejuvenate and do all the things you have to do as a photographer to survive in this world so i'm sure you guys are all in the same boat and you know you really have to it, this great pause has given us a chance to reevaluate and and uh, dig deep i guess into our archives and you know maybe expand what it is that we're doing uh in photography or beyond so it's uh it's been quite interesting for sure and of course we just released the new Nikon mirrorless Z62. Sorry, we're in Canada. I have to. I was going to stop you. I'm like, you're going Z. That's okay. Uh, no. <laughs> well, I've been part of the U.S. launch, right? And and it was ingrained in us to say Z, Z, Z. I had to say Z to myself over and over and over again. And now, it's really hard to go back to say Z. And I cross over into the States so much. So it's just like, I, no, I feel like I have to apologize as Canadians do to say, because I say Z. Oh, so we do it all the been, time. I mean, we've yeah. got to go that way. All my writing I do is, is you know, color is C-O-L-O-R. I mean, spelling and everything is, is the American yeah. way. It, it's just, it's, so it makes more sense. It's a much bigger audience and you want to, you know, speak the language of that. So Z, yeah. Z, Z top. <laughs> It would never be right with ZZ Top. <laughs> right? It would never work. It would it never would. work. Not in that case. So you've been using these cameras. I know one of the things when we met a year ago, October, the 500-millimeter mm. PF lens was new then, and you brought it out to the bonfire after yep. the talk, and it was something to hold and not steal that from you. And, <laughs> and hearing your reviews of that were so glowing, 
Are you still loving that? I mean, it's tiny for a 500 millimeter. Absolutely. It's my go-to wildlife lens for sure. If I'm going out on my kayak, if I'm going out to hike, if I'm going out in Algonquin Park, uh, wherever it is that I go, if uh, mobility, like it's so sharp, so crisp, fast, and it allows me to walk around like hand holding a 500 millimeter. You can't, you can't beat it. Like it's just the phenomenal quality, but also with mirrored, mirrored sorry but you know combined with the mirrorless camera i mean it's a whole different a whole different system compared to you know the big d850 and the 200 to 500 i mean it's it's a quarter of the of the size and um you know i seem to go through i really love zoom and then i really love prime and right now i'm fixed on the 500 millimeter and if i can uh, and i'm able to take a, a, a tripod out with me then i'll i'll take out the 800 millimeter but the other really interesting thing is that i've been using a combination with a 2 times extender i don't know about you guys if you're extender fans exactly mark i'm so afraid of those i know Never. i have i don't use them i know but see the photo behind me um, you know, it was quite a distance away and, and the wolves weren't coming in our direction at all. So I had the 800 millimeter, I had it on tripod and it was our guide actually, um, who said, Tom goes, well, why don't you stick your two times on? I'm like, well, you know what? I might as well, because at this point they're so far away, I need the reach and, and I'll try it out. And I originally tried it with a Z6 and I was so impressed. I couldn't believe that I had not done this sooner like I I don't know it's not for everyone I get it but think of hand holding a 500 millimeter now a thousand millimeters I'm hand holding a thousand millimeters for my kayak or anywhere else that I go but mostly you know when I'm around here I'm in my kayak I mean I'm shooting birds in places and and getting these incredible close-ups or in the air like it, it's fully functional it's unbelievable the quality and you can look on my Instagram and see where I usually say where I'm I'm using the two times extender with the prime, either the 500 or the 800, but it's given me amazing results. And again, like the mirrorless has, it's really transformed the way that I'm photographing. And I think they've made me a better better photographer. Both systems, both the the Z6 and seven, and now the 6.2 and the 7.2, which I'm anxiously waiting for. I know that it started shipping, so I'm just waiting for mine to to arrive. But it's just totally transformed my wildlife photography. And so when I saw you just over a year ago, it was like, look at this. <laughs> Everybody was, yeah. yeah. I, couldn't, yeah. I still can't believe the size of it. I've come very close yeah. to ordering one because there was a shortage in the summer. When I saw some inventory, right. I was like, okay, I've got to do that. But I'm still waiting on some more mirrorless confidence or um, enough of a jump from the 850. But there's definitely... And I, I'm, I don't, you're an ambassador, so I'm hoping for some rumors, but I understand if that, if that's not possible, if there's things coming down the pipeline, you know, but as far as the 500, a couple of quick things, when you, when you have the two times converter and it becomes a thousand millimeter, I, I think at one point I read on your social media, which is fantastic, by the way, that you had um, said that it, one of the benefits of course, is you can be further away from the subject mm -hmm. at a thousand millimeters. It's going to behave more naturally. And with mirrorless, no matter what brand, you've got the silence. And so mm -hmm. you're not disturbing with the camera clicks of the mirror flopping around. So there's that benefit. Mm -hmm. So those are big thumbs up. One of the questions I have is when you actually do look on your editing monitor at the 1000 millimeter version with the two times converter and the 500, if it's a loon from your kayak, 
do you notice the difference? Can you visually see it? Or, and is it just minimal enough that it's still fantastic? Or what's, what, what's your summary of that? I think I would probably go with what you just said, minimal with, with zero, you know, repercussions or there's no, what I'm getting as a result. And again, everybody's different. And I totally understand that. Um, we all work very differently. We all have our own comfort levels and everything else. But for me, it's just been transformational. So I like to tell anyone, especially with smaller creatures and, you know, you're, you're coming up to a, to a loon with a chick or, um, uh, the raccoon family or uh, fox. I mean, the, the the red fox on our lake are, you can't get anywhere close to them. Um, they've actually allowed me the ability to actually photograph these creatures. So, um, you know, without any disturbances, you said, when you're able to watch the animals in their wildlife habitat doing exactly what they're doing without any interference from you, I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. So the agility, the silence, the and, and the quality that I'm getting is just for, it's like the D850 in the 7, really. It's like just transforming it with all the benefits of having having the, the, mirrorless, the mirrorless system. Or the on, before EVF. you guys go too far, can you, you've talked a lot about the size. Can you just give us a physical kind of like, is it way less? Yeah. It's in your pocket. Absolutely. Fish in your big coat pocket. I was, that's I was, you know, I I had a beer in one hand. The bonfire's going. Michelle's talking to my wife. I'm like, okay, I can go now. I've got it. All right, keep her attention, Billy. <laughs> anyway, that's that's going into dangerous territory. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's about the size of the seventy to two hundred. When you think about it, uh, poundage wise, I don't know, is it 3.3 pounds? I don't so know. it probably I'm weighs really less good. than a 70 to 200 too, right? Because there's not as much glass in there, I would think. Um, yeah, not. it's probably comparable now to the new two, 70 to 2, 2.8 uh, for the S lens or for the S series or the Z series S lens. Um, so yeah, I don't, I, it, it's really incredibly light. And if you haven't, if you haven't held it in your Nikon shooter and you're thinking about just go, you know, find yourself in a store or find someone who has it and, and hand hold it. If you can test drive it, you'll just be blown away by the results. It's not, it's not, you know, faint of, of, um, you know, pocketbook, like it's, you know, it's an investment, but it's also a 500 millimeter, you know, 5.6 that you can walk around. I've walked around all of Algonquin park this past fall, just, like it's nothing, you know, and then I'm watching photographers with their tripods and their 600 millimeter and their whatever size of the DSLR. And, and I just, you know, I'm suffering from a bad back right now. I just don't have, I just don't have the desire to do that. And, and also I'm, I'm, I'm sacrificing what my potential shoot can be by carrying and lifting all that kind of stuff that I can easily get around with, with the, uh, with the new system. I just had a question. I don't know if you understand the technical aspect of that, but is it is it capable of doing that because of the lack of the mirror? I mean, with the mirrorless system, I mean, I've heard a lot of about you know with multiple of the mirror systems, regardless of the manufacturer, that they're most of those, especially the primes, are able to take a two X converter very well, and they perform very well. I'm just wondering if that has something to do with it. Well, the 500 millimeter is actually an F mount lens, so it's actually compatible to the DSLR. So I need to use an extender, right, with the two times for anyone out there. Um, now with the new lenses, the 70 to 200, I have the two times extender with it. And really, 
I have noticed zero, zero difference between using the two times and not. And likely due to the fact because it is, you know, this shorter flange distance and, and the capability of just, you know, having more edge to edge sharpness, you know, the opening of the camera is larger. I mean, there's just so much benefit. So, um, and, and I think also that you're, you know, you're combining a system that's mirrorless with a, a lens that's mirrorless made for mirrorless cameras. So I think there is, but, but although with that being said, anyone who isn't in the mirrorless system for us with Nikon users, it's an FTZ adapter and, and I've had zero issues at all with any functionality, any loss of detail um, by using the FTZ adapter with all my existing F lenses, which are, you know, the 500 and the 800. I'm anxiously waiting for the longer lenses to come out from, from Nikon. Uh, the 200 to 600 is supposed to be delivered in, yeah. Is that is I see Mark one? Oh. Yeah, good. <laughs> really, I hadn't heard that one. So this is news. Yeah, like I mean, I th I think as we move into those lenses and those focal lengths, it's just going to really make a difference for for everyone who's thinking about maybe going to mirrorless and and moving into that direction. Although, as I said, there's no functionality loss or 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 um, quality loss by using the F mount lenses with the adapter. Which is also this, the case for, you know, Canon as well. I mean, it's, what's so great is that you have the investment and everybody who's thinking about going to mirrorless is like, oh, no, like I, I don't want to go and invest in new equipment. And I'm not I don't want to I don't want to stretch my budget, you know, beyond. And, you know, they have it's obviously everything we we invest in is 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 exactly that. It's an investment. So, you know, if you're transitional, it works. And if you're bumping into the mirrorless. I mean, I've sold my D850. I've sold my D5. I've, I know. I'm looking at just right at Mark's face. Like, why? That's a well, no question. I would. Yeah, that's insane. I would. I I love my 850 so much. It's. <laughs> I know, but you know what, Jason? I I I was part of the launch in the U.S. Uh, two in August two years ago, August 218, and. Um, you know, I never, I, I touched my DA51 since then. And I, you know, every time I went away, I was like, bye, honey, I'm sorry, you're not coming on this trip. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're just going to stay on the shelf and oh, yes, you're going to collect more dust. And I was like, it's got to go to somebody who it can be with and, and be used is too good of a camera to, to not. But, you mm -hmm. know, it, it's all, it's, it's, again, it's what works with you. And, you know, some people have picked up the mirrorless system and the EVF. I mean, it's, it's not like you pick it up. It feels like a Nikon. It probably feels like a Canon. It probably feels like, you know, the original camera DSLRs to most people. But it's it takes some time to readjust your brain, right? Uh, Michael, are you shooting mirrorless? I do. I shoot the R5. Yeah, so it, it does, right? It's a trend. Right. You're super, super new to the whole mirrorless world then. Yes. <laughs> I like to remind my Canon friends. It's like, yeah, uh, uh, hello. <laughs> you haven't been listening to me for the last two and a half years. Somehow, somehow, somehow. But yeah, it's. I mean, you you really do have to adjust your your brain power, right, and how you're shooting. But you know, just just to to take advantage of all the you know the the opportunities that you have with mirrorless and just and it's probably the EVF more more so than anything, and and possibly the the focusing system that's that's just a little bit different so so you gotta tell us a little more about this 200 to 600 
<laughs> I don't know anything about it. I don't oh. know. I, I just saw it on the roadmap. I did a, um, a, a presentation with Hunts down in the States and the sales rep said it's on the roadmap for 2021. Oh, wow. But who knows if that's January or December. I know nothing. But all I heard was two to six. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. And I'm assuming that's the new S, S series yeah. for the Z mount. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And that's maybe Jason when, when you'll, you know, when the, when those, when those comparables come out and, and focal length and stuff, what I, what I would love to know is what, what would that 200 to 600 be like with the two times extender, right? Like what, with the, with the S, uh, with the S mount, like, yeah, because the seventy to two hundred, I didn't even bother with the one point four. Like if we're, you know, if if I want any anything on it, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the two, and I I didn't even try the one point four, and it's seamless. So I can only imagine imagine walking around right with twelve hundred millimeter now. That's crazy. What? Yeah. I'm I'm really excited. I'm having a hard time not reaching for Google and researching right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully I'm not wrong, but it was said in the live presentation mm-hmm. that it's on the roadmap. So Nikon's coming out with a new two to six. It's probably at the fastest going to be what five six, because yeah. we were talking about the one hundred to five hundred. Jason is what yeah. seven one at yeah five hundred top end four eighty to five hundred seven one. Yep. So I guess that's the only. But that's the sweet spot for all these new cameras companies to come out with a zoom that gives you a huge range a reasonable price and good enough functionality now to work with faster isos right yeah exactly so i think my guess it would be five six range just because it's nikon that would be awesome <laughs> stick with it stick five I six all it. the way through and yeah. on a two times converter holds up file integrity <laughs> <laughs> That would be awesome. <laughs> it is exciting. <laughs> yeah, it is actually, right? It gets us all like we're all giddy. Like, oh, it's it's amazing to think of what's what's down the down the down the line in the roadmap. It's fantastic. Well, I think that's the best thing about the two to five that you guys all used for such a long time is the constant five six, right? Mm-hmm. Still do. Yeah. It's on the eight fifty. Yeah. yeah. For that price point too. Oh, it's, yeah. And that's yeah. the thing. I mean there the integrity of the housing of the yeah. more expensive lenses, you know, there's some justification for increased cost, but the fact that you can buy three or four of these if necessary in that same budget and yeah. the, the glass is fantastic in the two to five. Mm. But yeah, for me, I'm just so impatient to have in my hands a mirrorless system that I can do video with, even if it's short segments handheld mm. when those rare opportunities come up. If, if I'm in with yep. two bull moose and something's happening, instead of doing yep. stills, too much cover, for instance, to get a good still image, we can do video yep. to do that handheld. I can't do it well. With the GoPro, not so safe. So, Mark, honestly, I'll tell you, like for, for capturing those moments on video, you're just going to go, why? You know, that that is the the another aspect of, of the mirrorless, just being able to switch off and, and be in video mode. And now with the 7.2 and 6.2, it's just no, there's no, uh, if you're shooting stills and it's still buffering, you switch it off and it goes immediately to, to video and away you go. You know, for those moments, it's just like, okay, I got that on still or it's just not good enough. You know, you, you want, there's there's sequences that you want on, on video and boom, it's just like right there. And you're hand-holding and you have the image stabilization. I mean, that 
Right, we can go on and on. We can speak about mirrorless for two hours, right? That's fine. This is a that. photography podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Not the dirt. And it, but the the stabilization, and then you're hand holding. Say, if we go back to a thousand millimeters, oh, and I put a two times crop on it. Oh, now I'm at fifteen hundred millimeters, and I'm hand holding it, doing video, and and you're stable. YouTube's you. happy as can be with it. Right? <laughs> it works. It works. Yeah. And you you look right, like your caribou wait. is. You look like your caribou's uh, whispering sweet nothings in your ear, like, go to the camera store. Jason, you have it on the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my elk's saying, order the Z7 too. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're not happy with it, well, I'm not going to tell you that I'll pay for it, but oh. I would be surprised. <laughs> I, That'd yeah, be a so, really good guarantee. I'd I'd take you up on that one. No, yeah, <laughs> no, that's why I'm not saying it. <laughs> but I don't think you would be. I don't think you would be. Um, I think you'd be pretty, pretty happy. Yeah. Z72 has the same sensor as the 850. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like so that. it's full frame. Full frame. Yeah. Both of the six and seven are, and the five. Well, it's good that we're doing this podcast because we've hammered Canon so so much information on Canon for so long. It's good to hear. I mean, all these camera companies are pretty freaking awesome right now, right? Everybody's exactly. producing good stuff. So it's good to know that everybody's just kind of keeping up. And what you said yeah. earlier, Mark, kills me because, you know, you think back 10, 15 years ago, what you had you used for three or four or five or six years. Now we're all so impatient because you're just like, oh, if I just had that, I could stay a mile away and get a shot of a blah, 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 or whatever. So, I mean, it's kind of, it's fun, but it's uh, stressful. <laughs> but at but least we're there. The game. Like for, yeah, it'll change the game. But also, like we were talking about that, you know, Canon comes out with something, Nikon's going to come out next. And, and it's, it's this game back and forth now. At least, at least we have the game going again. Like yeah. at least we're still, we're in the right field. And, uh, you know, the, the next levels, I, it's mind blowing to even imagine what, what's coming out next. I can't yeah. even, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Well, that, that healthy competition is what gives us all this cool stuff to play with. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the other thing we talked about the other day was it gives us a reason to keep shooting wildlife too. Remember back in the day when everybody's like, well, and I think we talked about this just recently, but a bear is a bear is a bear, right? when everybody's shooting on slide film or everybody was shooting on low resolution digital cameras, how many bear pictures mm -hmm. do we need? But now as these resolutions keep getting bigger and better, we need more pictures. We need more video. We need more 4k. We need more 6k. We need more 8k. So mm -hmm. it just gives us a reason to be out there continuing to shoot more than what we already have. I think all of us would be shooting anyway. We're also shooting in situations that we were never able to shoot in before. So the opportunities are just extending far into like the early morning hour. I mean, you're shooting at 4,000 ISO, hand holding a thousand millimeters. If you just want to say that again, at a 60th of a second at F11, like, you know, what you know those are they're, yeah. we're shooting in numbers that we never were even capable of just even a couple of years ago so uh, i think that that image bank is going to just continue extending because we're creating images in light and situations that we never did before yep For well sure. said and 
and distance and silence that you know yeah. make so many opportunities last longer or even exactly. possible that weren't before. Yeah. And that's just in the past couple of years of techn technological change. So it's super yeah. exciting. And I'm, I'm behind the curve. I'm not having it, but I, I've just been waiting <laughs> for the magic combo. And it sounds like it's getting close. For, for well, what here's I'm... the deal with that, Mark. I mean, it's COVID, right? We can't travel. We, you are like sitting kind of pretty right now. You haven't spent any money. Thank you. You're sitting, <laughs> you know, you're, you're working on the computer. You're doing all your stuff. You're saving your money. And then when the right combo's out there, you can just jump on it. It keeps changing, but that's that's part of the idea. I mean, this year, it's yeah, with the limited travel compared to every other year, it's it's a year that I don't mind waiting a bit longer and, and working with what I have. And I am happy with the 850 on the two to five, but being oh, yeah. well aware of the size difference and all of the benefits of the mirrorless technology, I'm I'm there. I'm just haven't been convinced of the perfect thing for me yet. And I, I am a stickler because, again, having personally been with Nikon for my whole career and been happy with the product throughout. Uh, I'm just hoping that the next game changer for them is the one that puts it together for me and I can stay in that system. I'm sure it will be. So Michelle, you have traveled the world to so many amazing places. Uh, New Zealand was one I got to experience last year and fell in love with, but you have been to the Arctic a few times. We'll get back to that, to <laughs> the Kutsumatine, to the, to the, the Great Bear Rainforest, to Churchill, to Wapusk National Park, to Africa 4, to, to Tanzania, Uganda, South Africa, Kenya, to Antarctica, South Georgia, the Falkland Islands. I'm running out of breath. <gasps> to do coastal sea wolves in Canada. You've been on Canadian Arctic expeditions, uh, Japan. You, you do so much around home too, which is refreshing given that you traveled the globe to so many great places and you still find thrills in your own backyard as a professional wildlife photographer is fantastic for our audience because we all can focus on that, especially this year. But if yeah. before getting into 60 times to the Arctic, oh, oh high five. <laughs> I love the North. I'm always drawn to the North. What if you could pick one of your most memorable photographic experiences would you tell us about? from any of these destinations? Um, I think probably it, it's a quick it's a quick decision for me because it just happened in February before the pandemic. Uh, and it was a dream come true for me to go to Africa and to um, visit the gorillas. And, you know, with so many years under your under your belt, you think you got it, right? You, you know, where you're feeling you're feeling pretty confident and um, and I've photographed a lot and uh, this probably had to be one of the hardest experiences that I've ever had. And I don't know if you guys have gone to the gorillas. Um, many people have said, and it was one question always was, you know, if there's somewhere you would want to go, where it would be, it would be always the gorillas. And uh, so this past February, went to Tanzania, had a small group there. My husband and son came, which is great. Ben is 16. So for him to see Africa was our dream come true. And then I went on with a, another partial group from Tanzania and, and a few others joined us uh, to Uganda. And uh, probably probably uh, physically, it wasn't my back at that point. It was uh, the fact that I actually get altitude sickness. Um, <laughs> I don't get seasickness, but I get altitude sickness. And we were starting at 6,500 feet. So had to battle a whole lot of elements like physicality. I mean, I was really, really sick. Um, 
and nothing was nothing was really working. It was you know a three hour trek up to close to ten thousand feet. So I'm battling, um, you know, all that, even though I had a, a porter, thankfully he was carrying my, my camera equipment. And as we were going through, it wasn't, it wasn't raining and, and I had put on my lens coat just being prepared and I had brought two cameras and, and the porter carries those for you, which is really great. Um, but I had taken off my lens coat and I was figuring that I would probably be using the 70 to 200 based on the range that we thought we would get to uh, in contact with them. And it was probably, I had asked a number of people and photographers what that would be look, that would, that would look like. And so the 70 to 200, I took my lens coat off because I figured, you know, it, it wasn't raining and I hate, you know, most of us do any covers and stuff. So, um, but as we got into the rainforest deeper and deeper and deeper and closer, every time we got in range of the gorillas, they seemed to move off and it was pouring rain um, at this point. So, you know, very difficult trek and um, scary at times, especially when you've got, uh, especially when you have, you know, these small little paths with straight down. The porter was amazing. You would always take your hand. Anyway, I'm making this story long. So uh, we got Ew. to the gorilla family. And the guy turns around and he says, okay, you have an hour. And, and immediately, like, and we didn't even know that we were close to the gorillas. Like we didn't, it was pouring rain and everything. And, and then the thunder happened and then the torrential downpour, it wasn't just raining anymore. So now it's torrential downpour. Well, my camera is in my backpack on my porter and it's now torrential downpour. And I had put my uh, rain cover over top, but everyone dispersed. Right. And, it was like, what am I, what am I going to do here? I've got to get my camera out, get the lens coat on to even start shooting in the dark, basically. And, uh, you know, it just not being prepared <laughs> and we're all in these situations. I mean, we're not perfect, right? I mean, we're just going to get ourselves in these crazy situations that you just have waited for for your entire life. And then, and then I'm terrified of thunderstorms. So I thought this was kind of ironic that uh, I sound like a, a wimp, but anyway, I, I don't know what happened in my life to, to not like storms, but now I've got the thunder, I've got torrential downpour. And it wasn't my girlfriend who wasn't a photographer saw my struggle and she came over and she just held the raincoat over top of the, um, the, um, the backpack that was on my, my porter. And I was able to pull out my camera and, and configure. But I mean, I, I think I eventually would have lost that camera, which I did. It was an at this point because it was just completely drenched um but i've got my people and then you know my guests that were with me and and you know everyone was struggling with the rain and slipping and and this time restraint you only have an hour and you know the gorillas were spread out we had a blackback that was that was acting for us and building his bed and he was farting and picking his nose which entertained us we had the silverback behind us that was just sitting there not moving and staring at us with his arm like this and and uh, like it, they all look like they were completely pissed off that it's raining, but of course it probably rains there all the time. <laughs> anyway, it, it was it was incredible. It was it was unbelievable. But of course everybody was struggling with their ISOs, and you know they had on some had on auto ISOs. So you know when I said what's going on, and she said, "Oh, I'm at twenty thousand ISO." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> No, 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 no. So, you know, you're, I'm trying to create and I'm trying to help people and I'm, you know, I'm sick and oh my God, it was crazy. It was crazy. And that hour was like a blink, right? It just, it was a blink and it was gone. And, uh, 
yeah, anyway, it, it worked. I got a, a few amazing key images that I absolutely love. And, and, you know, at one point I had, I had dreamt the night before that the gorilla, the silverback was going to come over and put his arm around me and I wasn't going to be able to take a photo. So imagine, right. Your, your dream come true. You go there, the silverback, he comes over, but I was elated that, you know, he was actually touching me and I was sitting there with the silverback. So when the blackback finished farting and picking his nose, he got up and he walked directly towards us. And I was like, this is it. This is it. <laughs> he's going to come over and he's going to touch me. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> and he came over. He he walked right by me, like, like a foot right beside me, past uh, my other group, and then went right up to my girlfriend who had helped me with the rain cover. And she was filming. And uh, and she didn't turn when when he passed her and he just went up and just knocked her, just pu pushed her uh, in the middle of her back. And she she was just like, what? so I was so happy that it happened to her because of all the help that she gave me, which I was very, very thankful for. But she started crying and but she was crying because she wasn't hurt. She was crying because she was touched by a gorilla, right? And then all mm -hmm. the porters are looking at her thinking that she was hurt. And nobody knew what to do. Meanwhile, the blackback's gone, right? So mm -hmm. that was a long story to your, to your, to your question. No, but anyway. a, we want a long story yeah. when it comes to that. And, and immerse us in it. Having experienced that. Yeah, Such intelligent was... beings to be in their oh. presence in their world. Yeah, and I and I know you guys have felt it with all your incredible work and and when an animal looks at you in the eyes, right? And you can put your camera down and you just you 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 just take that moment to that second, whatever it is, and and it's far beyond photography for for all of us. I think that have that an unbelievable, beautiful connection with an animal. So yeah. it was definitely far more than the photography, but I was glad that I at least had a few images to walk away with. <laughs> well, I like the story because of the, I mean, it just shows every, it's not always perfect. It's always, there's always something. There's always storms or dust or bugs or something that you're dealing with. And if you can deal with that, the physical strengths and get good pictures, that's the story. That's the stuff you remember. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I, th I think when you struggle, right, or that you have that adversity, or, you know, you worked really, really hard to get that image and what it took to get that image. And, um, you know, that's what is, that's why it's so easy to say that story, just because it just happened. But also, you know, because it, it just meant so much that I was able to create under all those crazy situations, or circumstances, I guess I should say. The challenges, we've talked about it before, but when you, when you have an experience like that and it's a very challenging experience and you get photos from it, just yeah, echoing what you just said, it's it makes it all that much more sweeter. So mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. a neat story. <laughs> yeah, I can just sit and think about it for a minute. I don't even need to talk. Just imagine being there. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. what the, the cameras to me are a tool to allow us to, to have right. these incredible experiences and opportunities and it's a great tool to share the visuals with other people mm -hmm. in different different ways afterwards but for us mm -hmm. to me the most moving thing is being there with whatever mm -hmm. species it is and that sounds like i mean unfortunately mm -hmm. your discomfort of being sick that day in the rain but but yeah just to be in their presence would be mm -hmm. a life life-changing moment the toughest thing has got to be the hour I mean, just knowing that you have 60 minutes to try to pull off, you know, how long does it take to get this incredible shot? I mean, we were talking earlier about spending a month with one species. 
and you're lucky to get one, two, three really just epic shots, but 60 minutes. Yeah. And not no 60 minutes in one second. Like it's 60 minutes. And you're restrained. You know, you have a limitation as far as how close you can get. And then you have all the trees and the branches and then you have the rain. And then you're, you're oh, don't forget, you know, you're fogging up at the same time. <laughs> And at one point I had to take my lens off to clean the inside of my lens because I couldn't, it, it completely fogged up from the inside. So like there were, just, there were just the elements just kept growing and growing and growing, you know, and then you, you've got to think so quickly. So, um, and then take care of making sure that everybody else is okay. You know, that they're able to capture something as well. They've gone a long distance, but once, once the lenses started to fog, then, then it became, you know, take out the cell phone <laughs> for many of them. And it became that, you know, cause they were just so, and then you lose the experience, right? Because you're so, you're, you know, imagine the disappointment, right? That you're there to create an image and then, and then you can't, I mean, it's just, it's awful. So, but thankfully for our cell phones, that's where, you know, Oh, well I can get something. <laughs> don't feel like a wimp either. Cause I don't, I am not a fan of lightning. I love storms, but lightning, lightning freaks me out. Yep. Yeah. So. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. For... <laughs> I'm, I'm in that boat. I'm in that boat. That's why I like Alaska. You just don't get that much lightning up there. You get it, but not like we do in Colorado. And, you know, Colorado, it's a force to be reckoned with. You just don't mess around with that stuff. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> While you were talking, I had to go to your website and look at some of these gorilla images so anybody listening you got to go check them out you have a little section on there called africa and it's just got a ton of images in there and there's several really cool images of those gorillas and and so when he was we we're talking about video so when he was uh making his bed he was lying on his back and just you know rubbing not that i can do the motion very well but he was rubbing and then um and then he would get up and then literally he would, he would pick his nose, he would eat it. And then he would fart. Stop. I mean, you can't, you can't, you we, can't. You know, that's all off that. podcast. We don't do that. <laughs> that's right. Anyone joining in, I'm talking about the gorilla. <laughs> so did you video that? Cause that to me yeah. would be viral. That to me right there would be like, you could, you could make a lot of money on YouTube with that clip. <laughs> You couldn't hear the fart under the rain, though. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I did get a little video clip of it. And and that's when it's really awesome to be able to, you know, switch off and just have those moments. Or, Mark, what you were talking about, about the Bucks fighting. Like, for me, that would be, oh, my God. There was a video that I saw on your site and, and the two and just hearing the sound of the antlers hitting each other. And, I mean, that just that power and that glory, it was just, oh, I, to see that live it would be amazing so video bringing that to your viewers is wow right wow it is wow <laughs> and it's just more stuff for us to play with exactly <laughs> right and then you need the time to edit not only your photos but your videos podcast yeah. part two yeah <laughs> so I, i'm great you took i uh, greatly appreciate that you took us to africa would not have been what i expected but a uh, very different flavor and, and moving. I mean, again, they're they're such close relatives to us biologically. So to mm. appreciate them and, and under, spend more time to understand them is mm. I think, really important and protect them. 
You know, one question that comes to my mind is, I wonder if they're affected by COVID. Yeah, so I've been talking to my guide there, and um, of course, there's such, uh, what is it, 99.4, or 90, you know, tremendous amount, obviously, we are them. Um, and uh, so they started implementing the mask wearing after we were there. There were only a couple of weeks that they were able to be open to the public after um, our visit in February, but um, they are. My guide said they re, re, they are reproducing really well, and they're what he's seen in Windy anyway is very healthy um, gorilla populations, and and they're doing okay. So that's Good. my update through my guide. Good. Right on. Can I ask for another story, perhaps about Arctic? Just because that's. I mean, I would jump at the opportunity yeah. to experience gorillas, but the Arctic, I, I'm. I'm as far north as I can get at every opportunity, and you've been there 60 times and <laughs> featured it in so many ways. What would a highlight story be from one of your expeditions to the Arctic be? Uh, probably swimming with narwhal. Swimming um, with them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're, you're, you've got true Canadian blood you know, in you there. Yeah, right, all right. Right. Well, I was not intending on swimming with narwhal. We were on the flow edge, so it's in the high Arctic where the... Uh, the ice ends and the it's spring break up and and the ice starts to break off and and as the ice starts to break off you have this plethora of microcosms that animals come to feed on like polar bears and bowhead and narwhal and beluga and seals walrus birds galore so um, it's magical it's a magical place obviously um, and we, we were there to see it all and and we would spend days just sitting waiting for animals to come to us. And it's very different than us chasing all the time, right? We're going into places and walking and, and going to uh, um, the animals, whereas this is a place that you can sit and wait for them to come to you, which is, it's not a small place by any means, but you know, if you position yourself in the right way uh, and have the right guides, then you could possibly have some incredible activity in front of you. And the guys that I was with, there were only four of us. So the three of them, we're all underwater uh, guys, and they were there to swim with the narwhal. And I thought they were absolutely out of their their minds. I mean, who swims with who? Who in their right mind would jump into the sea, the sea ice and sea water and ice ocean, Arctic Ocean, and swim with whales that have tusks? Like, what? What? Who would do that? And uh, so they were getting in. I was photographing them. And then my the leader of our group said, oh, well, we have an extra dry suit. Would you like to try it? I went, sure. And like it was out of my mouth before <laughs> I could say no. And I certainly wasn't going to go back. So next thing you know, they're, you know, you've got your full on everything. I, I've never been in a dry suit before either. And so I had my full on long underwear and fleece and everything. And they they suit me up and put my my. Uh, slippers on and and snorkel and helmet and helmet snorkel and hat and uh next thing you know i was in the water and my friend todd was in there already and i said just stay in there i'm a pretty good swimmer but just stay in there just to make sure that i'm really okay when, <laughs> when i get in that i don't freak out too much and i jumped into water and guys like i'm telling you it was like life altering i just said i don't even care if i see a narwhal i'm in the arctic ocean oh my god this is crazy so my hands were wet gloves and my head was wet gloves. So it was, it was pretty tough. So Todd got out. So I had my guides, I had my, my fellow photographers, they're all watching me. And then 
you know, a pod would come over and then swim in a different direction. And I don't know, 52 minutes later, I was really starting to get cold now and it was starting to seep in. And, and I was like, I'm with the guys and I'm going to stay in here as long as it takes. I don't care. I'm going to, I'm going to see a narwhal. I don't care if I photograph a guy, I'm just going to see a narwhal. And uh, so my guide went, Michelle Narwhal. And um, I looked, he was coming in my direction. I put my head underwater and he came right underneath me. Um, he turned upside down and he stopped. It was like, I'll never, ever, ever forget it. So I was able to snap off a, a quick photo, but he stared at me and it felt like, you know, seconds um, longer than probably the one second that it happened. And then he went off and then I turned back and six more glided right underneath me. It was, it was amazing. I'm, you know, at that point then I was, I was pretty cold and I said, okay, I've, I've got to get out. And, you know, they had to help me out of the water because I was, <laughs> I was so cold. Um, but yeah, I, I got two shots and that's, that's, it wasn't about the photography though. It was just, you know, Mark, you said it earlier, you know, it's the opportunity photography is the medium for us to get to these amazing places and in these incredible spots in the world that, that so few people ever get a chance to see and to be able to take it beyond photography and just really take in what it was that I was doing, like going right out of my comfort zone you know, completely out of the box and something I would have never imagined myself doing. Even though I'm a good swimmer, I still, you know, I don't do underwater photography that much. I've done some, I've swam with humpbacks and, you know, I've done some, some crazy stuff in warmer water, but, you know, just taking, taking that next level of, of, of yourself. And I think I grew tremendously as a person as, as in that moment and, and as a photographer and, and it just, you know, made me want to go back and back and back and back and continue. And I did have a chance to swim uh, once I didn't do it. And then I haven't been able to do it again. But if I do have a chance, and I'm on the flow edge again, I will, I will definitely try it for sure. But just being a little bit more prepared, maybe, <laughs> rather than just saying yes, and not knowing really what I was doing. But you know, those are the times that you just gotta, you know, don't give it much thought, just do it. And wow, yeah, it was crazy. Did you have a underwater housing with you? Yeah. Yeah. So I brought it with the intention that maybe I would be putting it on, you know, from, cause you're lying on the ice right. edge. And I thought maybe I'd be putting it, I brought the gloves and everything. I thought I would be just holding it under the water, but I never really thought that I was prepared and I wasn't prepared to jump in, but I mean, there, you know, I had, I had the people and, and the safety in place for me to do it. And I felt comfortable enough that, I knew that I, I was in good hands. So, <laughs> can I give can I give a correction? I just want to say I mean I, I, first of all that that to say yes absolutely, and and that's the thrill when we we go into unknown territory for ourselves and mm -hmm. and come away with such a life life experience. I jumped out there and, and said that you got the Canadian blood in you that way. I just want to say I know all kinds of people across the north in this world who've got, you know, that kind of gumption, including my lovely American friends who would jump in and do that. I just spat out of my mouth because it was the Canadian Arctic. All right, stand corrected. <laughs> you crazy <laughs> yeah. fellas would do the same thing. <laughs> yes, I know they both would in a, oh. in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Okay. Wow. So you have... I saw on your post on Instagram today. Can can you tell us about that project? Arctic Kaleidoscope? Yeah. 
Well, I did a book. Uh, I had a solo exhibition at the Canadian Museum of Nature in uh, 2013. And then I produced my, oh, 2011. And then I produced my book. Um, and that's the reason I got to the museum was because I was working for the book. And so I was collecting my my images and I was able to have kind of like a pre-launch with the exhibition. And then I launched the book in 2013. So it's been it's hard to believe that it's been seven years since since I've done that. But um, and that it has been my last book project. And so far, I don't really have another one, as you kind of alluded to earlier. Well, that's, but... that's it. So you do so much. And I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really silly here. <laughs> I need to see that book. I haven't seen it yet. I've seen so oh, much okay. of your work. So, yeah, I. OK, okay. I'll send you. No, yeah. no, I'll come pick one up. I mean, I was okay. I was in Ottawa yesterday. Oh, were uh, you? Not not that you're always in Ottawa, but in that area in Algonquin last week, we'll cross paths. Yeah. So keep on keep on around. Okay, we'll meet in Algonquin Park. That's that. more fun. Go find go find some fun. moose in the snow. Moose sure. in the snow. Moose. Yes. You guys yeah. can come too. Oh no, he can't. No. no, sorry. Thanks for rubbing <laughs> that of, in. <laughs> one of these days. We, we, we've had conversations about that between owls that come to southern Ontario in the wintertime, between uh, various opportunities in Algonquin. Uh, some of my great friends on this podcast will will at some point join on those adventures too. It's just where to go, right? And, and obviously this year there's so many incredible restrictions. As far as the Arctic, I want to... If we can stay there just a little bit longer, I, I, I have a question is, how does somebody have the good fortune? Obviously, it's talent and your ambition. And I mean, there's so many positive attributes to who Michelle Valberg is from everything I've read and experienced. But to go to the Arctic 60 times, what kind of expeditions do you, how does it happen so frequently? Yeah, it's a, actually, that's a really good question. And, and you know, a lot of my introduction to the Arctic was just by chance. And I was working on a book on Canada and deciding that I needed to go to the Arctic. I needed to photograph the polar bears and making a phone call. And after making that phone call, um, it, the timing was right with uh, uh, Tourism, with Adventure Canada, and with Above and Beyond magazine. So, you know, right there, it facilitated my cost in getting there, which, you know, you're going to the Arctic, you're going to Canada's Arctic. It's it's an, an investment. It, there's no doubt. I mean, this was a $10,000 trip that I was I was able to get covered by producing work and working for a company and writing a story. So as we all know, as photographers, I mean, if you can do all of the above, then it's going to be great. And if you can't write, then find somebody who's going to help you write for you. And, uh, you know, you're you're much more marketable. And it just so happened that they had the budget and they had the need for photography. And so that started my relationship with all the above. And then I was able to translate that into working for Adventure Canada as a resource photographer. And that means going on a ship and being the photographer on staff. So you're teaching people, your guests uh, about photography while you're able to experience this amazing part of, of the world that it would be very difficult to get to if you don't have 20,000 plus dollars. Um, and then in that, uh, I uh, decided that I wanted to give back to the Arctic after my first experience there. And I created a not-for-profit called Project North. And Project North delivers hockey equipment and soccer equipment or, you know, a number of different things, including shields uh, now and 
a few other investments that we've made in helping uh, the youth primarily in Canada's Arctic. So it has nothing to do with photography. Um, this not-for-profit that has now delivered over a million dollars in, in hockey equipment to over 30 Inuit communities. So it's just taking uh, it beyond photography, giving back, and then creating opportunity as well, because then that has brought me back with the Stanley Cup and um, Scotiabank. Uh, this is a long story in itself, Project North. And, you know, Canadian North became a sponsor of mine for my book. So that helped me with the flights to get to these places. Um, but Project North has taken me back to a lot of, of uh, Inuit communities that I would have had the opportunity to go to. So hockey greats like Lenny McDonald and Mark Napier and Natalie Spooner and uh, even Marty McSorley and John LeClaire. I don't know. If, I know Mark is, you know, you know, you know who they are. But in, in, in addition to not only bringing up these hockey greats, we brought up the Stanley Cup. So, um, so my not-for-profit, I work as a resource photographer. I create trips as well. Um, so um, I have created a couple of trips that have taken us to Slow Edge. So I bring people and um, yeah, and that's translated into into sixty into sixty times. Does that all awesome. make sense? Uh, yeah, makes a lot yeah. of sense. Do you have a favorite go to spot, or do you? Uh, is oh. it like, oh, I just got so many more to go to. You need to do another sixty. Oh yeah, like I could, I could keep. I mean, this is the first year that I've I've not gone to the polar bears and um, not seen the Arctic and. 15, 13, 14 years, which I'm still a newbie compared to a lot of photographers out there that have specialized in the Arctic. But um, uh, yeah, it's it's so vast. It's so crazy big and hard to get to. And, you know, yeah, there are a lot of places that I would still love to explore. And I continue. I now work uh, as well with Abercrombie and Kent and um, you know, you go from Greenland, you cross the Davis Strait, and then you go all the way through the Northwest Passage and then around Northwest Territories in Yukon and you end in Nome, Alaska, actually. So imagine, I mean, that's a three-week venture and, and it's just magic from beginning to end, you know, from the ice to the communities that you get to visit and the people you get to meet to the, the incredible landscape and then polar bears, you know, pot of thousands of beluga narwhal bowhead bowhead or you know their last trip bowhead were breaching for like 15 minutes and it's just it's incredibly marvelous but yeah and i get to i get to go as a photographer so how great is that (laughs) it's pretty awesome and the people photography that you do too is amazing when you look at a lot of those native pictures that i i saw on your website Oh, Both thanks. in Africa and in the in the Arctic. Well, and I started right with people. I still photograph people. I've had to go back into the studio way more than than I have been in the last couple of years, just to sustain a living of photography, you know, and and uh, kind of just shift uh, shift a little bit. And that gives me the greatest joy too, because I've learned so much about being a portrait photographer. I did weddings, I did events, I've done it all in order to make a living at photography. So. Um, you know, all of those elements have been those dots that have gotten me to where I am today. And, and, you know, people are much like wildlife and wildlife are a lot like people with light and expression and, and interaction and all that other stuff. So, um, you know, excited to be back in the studio and, and photographing with people and creating and trying to be new there too. I've got these new constant lights. They're Stella Pro 
I became an ambassador for them. So those are super cool. If you're, if you're looking at constant light, that's what's lighting me up now. Um, uh, they're just, they're, they're just fantastic because I, I, I'm not a flash person kind of like I wasn't a two times extender person. Um, uh, but there's, you know, and with mirrorless and going higher ISO capabilities, I'll, I'll take advantage as much as I can of natural light, but you know, sometimes it just doesn't, it's just not enough. So, you know, playing around and learning a new system, smaller, again, lightweight, and that's what it's all about, right? Being versatile and lightweight. I can even take them out in the field with me because they're just so small. Um, yeah, so back to the people, right? And and uh, back to the studio and, and loving that just as much, so. Well, on that note, you're doing an incredible series right now, the Planet Hope series, the black and white portraiture of, of people living through COVID. And yeah. Telling that and that story, it's getting a lot of media attention and, and rightly so. Well, and I, I don't know, how were you guys? Like when you were just, you know, you're you're just told you can't do anything. You can't leave your house. You can't, you can't go anywhere. You're, this is what we do. This is what our, makes our blood. <laughs> travel. I love to travel. Yeah. And, and out in the wild, I mean, it just, when you're told that this is all taken away from you, I, I was supposed to be back in Africa, Iceland, Greenland, Norway. And I know you guys are all the same. Um, Northwest Passage, uh, Japan, Greek Isles, Antarctica, South Georgia. I mean, that's all gone. Right. And if you, yeah, for me, if I think about it too long, I get, <laughs> I get really sad. Okay. So it's like, okay, I'm not there. We can't change anything. We have to be responsible and we have to make this, you know, world a better place. So we'll do our thing and, and stay creative around. And, and there's so many people that, that are doing extraordinary things during this pandemic that are keeping us safe. And that was like, okay, well, I can do that. I, I think we need to tell their stories. As visual storytellers, that's what that's what I felt compelled to do. Your versatility is marvelous. So, I, I mean, I, I'm just segueing in my mind back to wildlife because it's wild and exposed podcast. But I do appreciate so much of the, of what you do photographically and and the talent and it's you pull from such a, a great variety of perspective that way far beyond what I do. I mean, I love big antlered animals and that's I have my niche. I mean, it's my passion. I love the North and all those things, but you know, I've never dove into some of the things that you cover. So I, I admire your versatility. If we do segue back into wildlife, something cool mm -hmm. is it going back home, given mm -hmm. that we go from what, what everybody's having experienced this year in COVID and having things taken away as far as what we look forward to for travel and experience for wildlife, nature, trips. It can be discovered around home from big to small wonders. And you do that so well. And maybe a pro tip or two that you could throw out for people who do photograph from kayaks or would like to, you know, what, what's your go-to setup and how do you manage it so well? What would you give advice if somebody was joining you on the water for the first time with their equipment in the kayak? Uh, make sure that uh, you've been in a kayak before. <laughs> My dad would always tell me when I was young, when you fall in, just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> uh, yeah. In the water. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so a lot of people question me going into the kayak with my equipment, and I have a fishing kayak. So I don't know if you guys kayak with your with your gear or not. Um, 
so I have a big honking fishing kayak that really it's a sit above. I could stand in it if I wanted to. Obviously, I don't. Uh, so I feel very, very comfortable. And I certainly don't go out in, you know, crazy weather. So at 4.30 in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning on a summer day on the lake, it's not often that you find that the water is rough anyway. So, you know, pretty calm, usually mirrored kind of water. Um, and what I just love is being in this like stealth mode, you know, that you've got the mirrorless camera and you've got, um, I have a, oh my goodness, I've lost the a camouflage. <laughs> <laughs> I've been talking too long. I've been talking too long. Um, the camouflage and anyway, and and just again, just outside of of it being a photography driven that I'm out there at that time in the morning. I mean, it's just you're the only one out there, and you're hearing every sound, every every bird, every 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 kind of natural sound that you that you can. It's just nothing better and. Yeah, just staying, I have a dry bag, but I keep my cameras out of the dry bag because if they're in the dry bag, I'm chances are I'm going to lose the shot of the eagles fighting in the air or, you know, the red fox running along the side or um, the loon feeding or whatever it is. Swans? What about your swan photo? Yeah. um, Everybody loves. Yeah, the swans are pretty amazing. That's with my friend on his lake. And... uh, um, they're not on my lake. Um, anyway, yeah, same so thing. No, no, kayak, absolutely fishing kayak. And, you know, they're, they're, it's almost like you, you create a relationship with these animals, you know, that, that if you're seeing them consistently and you know, it's the same pair of looms or obviously the same family of swans and you're out there, they're comfort level, even the raccoons. And I swear I have a blue heron that flies over me and says, look, here I am. And then he, he lands and he allows me to, paddle alongside them you know that um you're just quiet and you're inobtrusive and and with the longer lens the longer reach you're able to stay at a at a reasonable distance and still create and yeah it's it's um your comfort level has to be there for sure in the water and on the water and and uh you know I know every time I go out there I take a chance that that one of my uh, cameras might not come back, but I'm I'm pretty confident that that I'm not going to let that happen because it's just that would be reckless. <laughs> but anything can happen, you know. It's not like I'm going to have a narwhal come up and bump my kayak. <laughs> a little more yeah. risk to the equipment that day. <laughs> well, in a, yeah. and the style the style of kayak you use is very stable, too. Totally so. stable. Yeah. Yeah. And I have the, you know, the the towel and, you know, it's just... But it's all handheld out of the kayak then? You haven't MacGyvered in some kind of tripod system? And nowadays it's probably not necessary, but five years ago would have been. Yeah, I did. I did. And with the fishing kayak, you're able to actually have your your tripod positioned with a, like, a, I've taken the 800 millimeter out, um, which I thought I, is when it's a 20,000 um cam lens it becomes a little bit more worrisome obviously especially when you're starting to add into um the mix the tripod but i've also macgyvered a little um a little system that i can uh put on the front of the kayak that that especially on you know uh foggy mornings or the um the loons are with their chicks and um you can get some pretty cool video footage from from the front of the kayak so i've macgyvered a little system that way and then i control it through snapbridge do you use snapbridge at all do you guys no 
No, what is that? Yeah, it's your, There's your pro tip right there. Yeah, <laughs> SnapBridge is your phone app that controls yes. your camera, so you can actually do remote photography from from your camera. So what oh, would that allow you? This. <laughs> what would that allow SnapBridge, you to SnapBridge. Uh, So Ready? the camera you're using, so the Nikon Z6 or seven yeah. is Bluetoothing to your phone through this and, app. But can you change G8. composition and settings? Yes, you can. Um, but you can do it with the D850 as well. Okay. So, um, like, you you know, if you're in your... This is really amateur cool. hour from Wild and Exposed here. <laughs> <laughs> this just came out, Michelle, right? Is this another fumble on my part today? <laughs> no, sorry. Um, it is getting better, though. There, You may have not heard much about it just because it, it was an app that... that got better and better and better so you can obviously download all your images so if you're out in the field and you you connect your through bluetooth your your phone to your your camera then you're you know you can download some key images that maybe that's what you want to post to instagram instead of like a cell phone image right um and you can do all your editing and such and you can do different file sizes that sort of thing even raw and then um and then there's a remote version so i'm in my kayak I'm holding up my phone. I don't know if you can tell that, but I'm holding up my, or I'm holding my phone. My camera is at the front of the kayak and then I'm turning it on and off and setting it to record. So, um, cause obviously I can't move to the front of the kayak to get it on. Or I was in a buggy and the wind was, you know, up in Churchill, the wind was flipping in at, you know, minus 50 and the bears weren't doing very much, but I didn't want to take my system down, so I just sat down below my camera, in the she, you know, in the in the uh, not blowing wind uh, inside the window, and then I just sat there and I waited for the bear to do something, and I was like, oh, good, it's moving, click. <laughs> <laughs> so can you control your focus too, just by touching the screen? So you're basically seeing yeah. that viewfinder, right? So then you can yeah. just tap where you want it to focus, and then. Yep. All right, Snap. Okay. Mark has left the building. More time. Snapbridge. <laughs> Snap. I don't know if Canon has anything like that. <laughs> oh, is that a Nikon software or is that a? Yeah. Touche. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so it's not like a a generic program that would work with any camera. It that is an actual Nikon no. piece of software. It's a Nikon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, that's cool. Well, see, I think we talked about that on a on a podcast earlier too. Actually, I think it's going to be a future podcast, but I really feel like the future of photography is going to be a lot of the remote camera stuff. Just because you eliminate your person out of the equation, if you can just have a camera sitting out in a certain spot and you can be a certain distance away, you may get a little bit different behavior than what we can get when we're behind the camera. Totally. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, or if you have to save yourself <laughs> from the cold or <laughs> right. the rain or whatever. Yeah, you don't have the ability to turn the camera, unfortunately, but certainly if you're, you know, yeah, if your position and the, and the timing's right, it could be totally beneficial or starting and stopping, like mm -hmm. with, you know, you don't want to be running your camera for your entire kayak ride, but you might want to do it a little bit and then you can do stills or video too. Well, and I think the cool thing on a kayak is you can adjust the shot just by moving the kayak, right? That just gives you a little bit of flexibility. It's not like being stuck in a 
mm-hmm. a, a tundra buggy where you just you're you are where you are you can yeah you can swift Maneuver. or you can shift that front end of the kayak over and recompose and mm-hmm. all while holding sweet. your phone <laughs> yeah and the kayak paddle. eat piece of cake <laughs> you know before too long they're gonna have those goggles yeah. <laughs> what is it? The Oculus yeah. goggles, and you're just gonna be able to look at wherever you want it to focus, and then the camera wiggle just... your nose, and it'll take a picture. Yep, <laughs> that's the next version of Nikon, right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just gonna go download SnapBridge, but obviously there's no reason since it doesn't work with Canon. No, no reason. Too bad. Oh, that's. Well, you still tough. have a Nikon body or two? Or are they all gone? No, I have some. Yeah. But it's older. I don't think it would work. Mm, right. Yeah. So is this technology, this app, primarily for the mirrorless? Oh, you said it would work on the 850. Yeah. It will. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. I'll download it and play with it so that I'll be ready for the next time I'm allowed to go on a trip. Yeah. And need it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been exciting to hear about the Nikon potential equipment, the two to six, what those specs will be like. I'm. I'll be glued to the news reels, mm-hmm. rumors. And the Nikon Z6 and 7 mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. I'm just, I'm kind of stuck in the mud a little bit, wondering if the Nikon Z7 is enough for me to make the switch from the 850. Given the same sensor, that's good. And I, there's so many attributes that I, I like about the mirrorless technology. Or mm-hmm. do I wait for the rumored Z, Z9? coming out potentially this year who knows what that looks like right if it that's like michael said if things are changing so quickly yeah in in a way i I look good for sitting back and saving money but things are moving on and i don't feel like the 850 has dated me yet but there are opportunities where mirrorless would be beneficial when you jump in you know the z72 might warrant the time to jump in like r5 for canon users or the new Sony for Sony Sony camera users and lens owners, or if it's only going to be eight months, and we're I hope we're not dealing with COVID eight months from now in the same way we are now. But you know, there's certain restrictions we have. Do we wait and see what a Z9 is? When do you jump in? And so that's that's in conclusion for Nikon. You know, I I'm excited to hear about this lens technology because the 500 definitely is on my radar but if there's a zoom i've lived in that world for years now and love the just like so many other things about these mirrorless cameras the silent the the potential reach with the converter a zoom lens allows me to move less in the field around an animal and let it and therefore it behaves more naturally Mm -hmm. comfortably Mm -hmm. whereas a prime sometimes i have to shuffle forward or back unless i'm just willing to accept the composition at hand so zoom Mm -hmm. facilitates that so i'm super Keen to hear about the glass quality and the aperture of the potential two to six. Yeah, and the last thing about the the mirrorless with the EVF, um, imagining you transforming and and going into the mirrorless system, and and uh, Michael, you'd probably be able to say this that you're on the viewfinder way more than you are with the DSLR, just because you're seeing and being able to review. Um, and you're seeing your exposure live. So there's there's that benefit as well to the EVF that I find that I'm on the camera a lot longer on the viewfinder. And that gives you, again, more opportunities. So 
Yeah, it's just I think it's when you're ready and and you know what what you're willing to wait for. And there's some people, you know, that if it depends if you're going to have two cameras or one camera, you know, and if if you have two bodies, maybe the six two is now the time to get in and then you wait for the next level of, of the, of the Z that's going to come out. Um, that would, yeah, it, it's all, it, it's a hard one just because you're jumping into, to a new system, right. For sure. those who have the six and the seven, would they transform to a two and a, uh, of, of both? I, I wouldn't necessarily yeah, go. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But when you're, when you're transforming right from the get go, it's, it's a tough one to know when, but you'll, you'll, You'll you'll jump when you're ready. It'll yeah, happen yeah. for sure. And It'll I'm happen. happy to meet you in Algonquin Park and let you let you play with my seven too. Oh, Just bring yeah. a card and and away yeah. you go. So, well, I'll have yeah. my running shoes on for that one. <laughs> and and, and this, I mean, I really hope your back is feeling better soon. But that hey, I'm gone. No. <laughs> I'm not that kind of guy. But I yeah, absolutely. You know, you were very. I just think it. would not would never do it. I think yeah. it for a joke, just for a joke. <laughs> but you were very generous even at the Howell convention and mentioned that at that time you're willing to let people use it and just see what it would be like with the yeah. 500 PF. I mean, again, such a small, compact, powerful, incredible glass lens. So yeah, it's just a matter of choice and the, and the technology is changing so rapidly at some point you just decide it's time to change but there's certainly enough benefits and when we did a podcast two years ago and it was fuji mirrorless cameras i think and that was when my mind was blown for the first time with the idea of what you see is what you get on the back of the camera mm -hmm. so the evf yeah it's it's worth mentioning with all the other things that benefits mirrorless so exciting mm -hmm. times for all all mm -hmm. kinds of advances but it's just a commitment because you hope to buy a setup that is enough of a game changer you're content with it for at least a couple of years as a professional exactly. two or three and i always have two bodies you have to these trips are too meaningful and expensive to ever take one camera body so that could be a justification the 850 will stay in the bag and be there but mm -hmm. it's just a matter of choosing when the right time is and hopefully the technology stays prevalent for two or three years after mm -hmm. the investment that's where my head's at Michael, when you went to the R5, are you still on DSLR or did you go full on mirrorless? It was a, it was that same question. It's like, do you do it or not? And I used it. What was it? I, I mean, we did a podcast about it. I think I used it for a week and I basically bought another one. So I'm full on mirrorless. I actually came back and sold every DSLR I have. As, as if I wouldn't even listen to that from Michael, right? Who is this guy stuck in the mud here? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't think you're, you know, thinking that you're going to be D850 in the bag and seven over here or whatever the next mirrorless is for you. And it's a, and Jason, though, it's a, no, you're not full, you're not in mirrorless yet. Okay. Uh, yes, with the R5, but not on the oh, Nikon the side. Right. Yeah. Do you not find it a mind blowing thing to go back and oh. forth? Absolutely. It, it does yeah. mess with me for sure, especially shooting two systems. That's amazing that you can shoot in two different systems and DSLR and mirrorless. That's, that's cool. Well, I'm not going to say I'm proficient with the Canon stuff yet because it, that, it slows me down a little. I have to really think about things when I'm, you know, in the field, you know, my Nikon, it's like memory. I don't even think I just start flipping buttons and it's all the, just second nature, but the Canon, I have to really think about it, but. But that's why I want the Nikon. I, I you've got me intrigued. The th the things you've been sharing with us and telling us, I'm I'm gonna go give that Z7 II a hard look. So 
That would be you know, an interesting. I haven't heard too much reference between the two as well. So it would be interesting what you would think from um, the image quality and clarity and dynamic range and everything else from from the two systems as well. It'd be yeah, quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, I I could share briefly, just real quick. I mean, I don't have a ton of experience with the R5 yet, but the little bit I've done, it's a very good system. I mean, I've been very happy with it for a handheld option, like I mentioned. But if I'm being honest, I'm still the can the Nikon 850 setup I have definitely produces more, and it, it's probably just what I'm used to too. But it definitely produces better, uh, better colors. Uh, richer colors you know there's just things about it that just are just i mean the sharpness is pretty equal those kind of things are pretty you know equal but overall i just love my nikon every chance i get to shoot my my nikon setup that's what i'm doing so that tells you something right but. Mm -hmm. oh michael you're outweighed on this one i know <laughs> this is a rare podcast for the last four months <laughs> it's been it's been canon heavy for a lot of reasons so right. this this is refreshing and 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 relevant to yeah. have some thought that way and for me especially having shot Nikon all these years <laughs> I mean I I will go with the best system that creates the most flexibility and, and best imagery both for stills and film no matter what but um, I think this year's helped me procrastinate just because of you know if we were traveling a lot more it would have been something I would have jumped on faster I think. So I'm hopeful Nikon will. Well, yeah, that's that's. I will do the same thing as far as researching these, and I'll follow your your social media feeds, Michelle, and hopefully talk to you in in person as you get these cameras in hand. Yeah. To to hear your feedback because of your wealth of experience with with them as well as with so much from mirrorless from day one, to hear what you think of the version twos versus one. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then when we can, you guys come up and we'll all go to Algonquin Park together. And that would be fun. With, and we'll all be silent with our cameras. That's the other thing. It's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> now, Michael, don't you find? Well, Jason, too. No, like Michael. To, yeah, Michael, absolutely. I mean, he's doing, he does a, a lot more video than the rest of us. So he's always, you know, fighting that. But <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah well, the one thing that I do miss about the sound is if you're shooting and you're focused over here, but you're shooting with somebody else and you hear a shutter that kind of clues you into, oh, maybe I'm missing something behind me, but I'm so focused in on what's going on over here. So at least you take a look to see if that's something you want to do. But now yeah. there's no, that's, there's nothing that tips you off that, oh, hey, there might be a, a bear doing backflips over here behind me. Yeah. <laughs> You need your friend behind you going, hey, Mike. Yep. <laughs> Over here. Over here. Yeah. The one thing I will say about Nikon is the glass has been like yeah. stellar forever, right? I mean, that's, you can go back 50 years and a piece of Nikon glass was yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, and that's, that's why they've stuck around for so long in such good quality. I mean, because ultimately that's what's going to get our images, right? Can I can I ask Sorry. one more question? Sorry. Of course. I don't want to drag this out, I know, but I'm just so intrigued and it's been such a great conversation. But if you go back on your Instagram, Michelle, one of the first photos you have is of you in a kayak, shooting mm -hmm. from a kayak. Mm -hmm. And um and I I'm I know you've been shooting for years, thirty years, is that right? Is that mm -hmm. what you told? You don't look old enough to be shooting for thirty years, but anyways. Um 
<laughs> by a long shot. That was good. <laughs> um, but could you maybe just briefly tell us how what got you into photography to begin with? I'm I'm always curious about what where you know where people come from, and it's always different. So I'm just curious to hear what got you into photography. I really wanted to be a golf pro. <laughs> mm, wow. And I was heading that direction. And my parents were birders, and nature was really always instilled in our in our lives and how important it was. And um, I was going to Lake Placid, and my dad gave me his camera. And he was an ophthalmologist, which is interesting because he was an eye doctor. Um, but he always used Nikon to do copy work. So his camera was always in the basement on a copy machine. And he said, just take my camera and take some photos. And, you know, it was just one of those, I took a stream and the leaves and it was fall and, and, uh, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with schooling. And I came back and I said, okay, I want to be a photographer. And he said, that's great. So what else do you want to be? <laughs> you're not you're not you're not really thinking you're gonna make a living at photography are you I'm like yeah 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 and he's like sure anyway so in, in my love affair began and my mom was in the arts and so it you know they 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 knew that I was possessed at that point and there was no turning me back but I ended up going to Ottawa U in the fine art program and then Algonquin for the technical program and then I started my business while I was in university so um I just yeah, and then I actually started my career in video production. So when I started my business, I knew that there was so much competition out there and with really good photographers. And I'm this young punk girl who, you know, was a male-dominated industry back then. And uh, so I had a lot to prove. And I decided that I would start with the video to make a name in my business because that was kind of where nobody was in the middle ground you know it was either really really bad or really really expensive so i came in in the analog world beta and vhs and super vhs and super eight millimeter and for all those people who are old enough to know even what those mean um yeah so i i got my my name out there by doing by doing video and i was all self-taught with that because well, there was no one to teach me how to do video. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so yeah. I just worked, worked my butt off and I did everything. And then I started to introduce photography back. And anyone who wants to do photography as a living, we have to live and breathe it constantly. It has to be a part of you and you have to believe in yourself, be confident, put yourself out there. And, and, you know, I, I spent a lot of time giving back and, it's part of who I am. It's part of what I enjoy doing. Um, but, you know, there's so many ways to get your name out there. And, and one great one is to, you know, to help organizations that need visuals and uh, need help and, and get connected to your community. And, you know, you got to start building all those dots, right, that are going to lead you to the direction of, of what and uh, I guess what you want to do with your with your career. So. That's what I've done. That's how I've lived. I haven't been lucky enough to just like be given a camera and I become this famous photographer. You know, I've certainly had to work really, really, really hard. And there have been times that I've wanted to give up. There's no doubt. There's times, you know, in 2008 uh, in particular and 2009, those tough years that I didn't know how I was going to make it. I had employees. I had you know, studios, I had it all. And, and my goodness, I just, there were times that I would just cry myself to sleep, not knowing how I was going to make it through the next day. But I don't know. I just, it's like you guys, it's just photography's in my, 
in my every part of my being and and it's so incredibly um so incredibly uh competitive that you know you're we're all trying to find our our way and and our our craft you know defining our craft and who we are and who we specialize photographing whether it's animals or people or or architecture or whatever and so anyone who wants to be a wildlife photographer out there just you have to start in your backyard Mark, like you're talking about in photographing those little critters and, and those fast moving creatures and, and just photograph anything and everything that you can to get to consistently. Don't you guys consistently learn every time that you're out there? Absolutely. It's a, it's a nonstop learning exercise yeah. and fr through frustration and glory and, you know, with all the ups and the downs. I mean, we're completely obsessive people. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lifelong project. That it just it keeps, but there's challenges all the time. There are there are hard days. There are disappointments. There's yeah. for all kinds of reasons. So, but but then there's the rewards. Are I can't put some of the wildlife experiences and and friendships to words that yeah. that this is facilitated. So yeah, you're you're 100 percent on with with so much of that. I just texted everybody yesterday. I think didn't I text you guys yesterday that I learned something new every day. Right. I yeah. just, I mean, it's just crazy. I just cannot get to the point where it's like, oh yeah, I got that. No, I yeah. don't. I got to figure it out. <laughs> and, the, and the minute you think you got figured out, somebody is going to be 50,000 steps ahead of you doing something <laughs> else that you should have been doing because you think you've got it figured out, right? I right. mean, it's, it's really the same anywhere, but in the arts field and with so much competition, we've just, you've got to constantly be looking at all these new um, technology ideas and, and such, but as well, you have to remember that just because you have good technology isn't going to make you a good photographer either. Right. I, you know, uh, how many times do you say that? Well, what's, what's the focus system like, or, or, you know, how am I going to take better pictures of birds in flight? And, you know, <laughs> how many times, you know, well, it's like, well, how much do you photograph? And like, I know you guys were talking about one of your podcasts about, you know, you, some people are only able to do photography two trips a year or plan, you know, a limited amount of time because they're doing their other job or, you know, they're saving people's lives doing, you know, amazing things with medicine or whatever it is that they have. And, you know, they, they just can't step into the role because they have a good camera and think that they're going to create these amazing shots where, right. Like, yeah. Thank you for that. That's a, that's a neat story of how you began. <laughs> you knew early on that you wanted to be a photographer. That's neat. Yeah, I'm lucky, I feel, right? And I'm lucky that I had the support of my of my family as well to, you know, back me up because it wasn't a, a choice profession by any means, especially back in the film days. And and then it became always about what I could do for other people. And, and I wanted to employ people. I wanted to give other girls the opportunity and... You know, at one point we were doing 115 weddings in a year, if you can imagine. And wow. on top of it, it was everything else that I had going on. So um, it was a different kind of wildlife then. <laughs> <laughs> Still fun. <laughs> it certainly it prepares you, right, for mm -hmm. it prepares spontaneity. You, for, you know, your your fast trigger, fast thinking, management, manage time, everything. Like all those elements that goes into being a wedding photographer you you use on a daily basis when you're out there in the field with wildlife too it's just it's a different kind of wildlife <laughs> well, and, and maybe and, not as many cranky people <laughs> <laughs> well we're not you know as much as i want we want to come away with 
magical imagery, we're not accountable. It's only on us. So there's more pressure on a wedding photographer. If I fail that afternoon for whatever reason, my mistake, I fuddled something, the camera didn't work. I just have to live with that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, so there's, it's not the pressure of this magical one day where there's this list of must-have images. So mm-hmm. in many ways, I, I hold that in high respect. And But I mean, the, the fun of it, this this just, I guess we don't have to work wildlife like you do have to work people and have that upbeat and and keep it so positive that people are just brimming for the camera right so there's all those there's some differences but in a way wildlife photography you know it's got its challenges of spontaneity being fast to capture that moment but if we miss it it's it's just something like personally i have to deal with there's nobody i have to say i'm sorry i I didn't get that shot of you tossing that bouquet can you do it again tomorrow afternoon at the same time (laughs) (laughs) but you also have far more control when you're photographing a wedding or portraits or in the studio than you're completely out of control with nature and wildlife right which is thrilled you go and what's i find really fascinating is going into studio after being in the wild because I go from being completely out of control to being completely in control and from my lighting, makeup, posing, everything. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of fun to have those two, those two elements and, and appreciate both of them in different ways. Well, I think I've said on the podcast a couple of times where photographing wildlife is, is a really good thought process or a teaching skill it's something that you can learn because you have to get that moment you just have to and then that translates into weddings because you'll get that moment that is a fleeting you know expression mm-hmm. or whatever or with sports i do a lot of sports and i have to capture that moment and i i've gotten so used to doing it in the wildlife thing because you can't have it do it again and same right. with the game a sports game you can't say oh you know what i missed that can you throw that ball again or can you <laughs> make that shot again can you, can you square that touchdown again? Yeah. Go just, back. Just once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think wildlife's a great place to start. There's a quote on Michelle's website. Uh, Michelle will tell you that photographing wildlife is gritty, real, harsh, terrifying, and achingly beautiful. I like that. Good I like summary. that a lot. <laughs> I like your website too. I, it's it's really elegant. It's awesome. So anybody listening, you got to go check it out. There's just tons of images and then just tons of content. Even got some videos and a blog and all kinds of stuff up there. Well, it's a work in progress, right? That's the other thing. It's as photographers, you're, you're the doer of all, right? You're the, you're the creator, the producer, the, uh, post processor, the deliverer, the website designer, social media activists, (laughs) blah 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 like you're just constantly in many different aspects to to generate the the output that you need to 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 be seen right so yeah my goal is over the holidays to update that (laughs) park right there's a there's a thing yeah the weather's beautiful last week was phenomenal up there with the fresh snow we Yay. had nothing here and up there was winter wonderland and we oh, only I... went for a day but so grateful we did yeah so yeah there are times you just have to go yeah and your images were awful of the moose with the snow and i mean it was they were just awful mark i just i didn't have any envy or jealousy at all looking yeah. at those images at all 
and what a waste of time you know <laughs> phenomenal images it oh was just no, well, it was it you know thank you very much for saying so but it, it wasn't the most challenging photo shoot but i was glad that i went for oh. the experience and yeah. Tilly got her first cross-country skiing of the year for a few hours i dropped her off oh, she cool. got the one she was uh, on my social media the moose tracks she was following while she was skiing it was just a wonderful place to be mm-hmm. she didn't want me trying to keep up with her and i was off looking for moose in other places but it was a fun day <laughs> rarely regret spending a day in the wild wherever right. it might be something yeah. happens. and what whatever it will bring you right I guess that's one of the differences with wildlife or nature photography. We don't know. It's that unknown magical mm-hmm. moment or moments of that day. We could never predict it. You don't know what you'll see or when or what the angle or light will provide and mm-hmm. you know, come away with something unexpected. So thank you so much for joining us today and and giving us a window into your world and, and telling us some of the stories of your adventures from your career. It's been <laughs> a blast. I, I talked a lot, so. <laughs> but it's a it podcast. Is podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole point is hearing these wonderful stories, and and you know I, I learned early on at the Howell Convention that you are a fantastic storyteller, and the places you've been and are only purely inspiring. So, thank you. Well, thanks. Can I give a shameless plug for for a Do scarf it. project I'm working on? Because there. Are, they, these scarves are by a company called Canada in Focus, and uh, they features seven uh, Canadian women Nikon ambassadors. Well, no, not everyone's an ambassador, but they're Nikon women pro photographers. And um, these scarves are made out of recycled plastic, which is super cool, and they're beautiful. And um, uh, they're all fundraisers for different charities. And they're absolutely, you know, you probably can't see it because of my, anyway, they're on my website, but yes. um, they're really quite something and beautiful. I know with my background, I, I think it's showing that it's pretty funny, but anyway, one is, from, I, could, it one, just is fades in flow, one is from the flow edge where oh. I did go snorkel uh, with the narwhal. Well, you can't see it. Well, the website. We'll you can't see it. You go to the website. Yeah. Anyway, I just, it's just it's a it's a super cool little project that made out of recycled plastic, but it, they're beautiful and soft and raises money for uh, conservation charities, and uh, they're pretty beautiful to wear too. So if you're looking for a gift, All right. you know where to find it. <laughs> so so yeah, it'll be in our show notes on today's podcast page, and people will want to go there just to see the images that you've put up from the stories that you've relayed today as well. So we encourage everybody to look there. But it'll be it's michellevalberg.com where they can also find that page for the scarves, right? Yeah. And check Thanks them out. For Please do. Me say that. Anything, absolutely. What a, what a worthwhile project and cause. Anything that recycles plastic is good right out of the gate. And yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. Thanks. Are there any others we can do <laughs> for you? No, all right. Okay. No, we'll all leave right. it at that. <laughs> the scarves. How many different ones are there? Did you say? Uh, they, I have three scarves, and uh, so Melissa Grew, who is supposed to speak at Howell this year, right. um, she has a couple, and Amy Vitali, who you guys have to know who Amy Vitali is, uh, she is a beautiful African scarf, and Christy Odom, who's also a nature photography and Nikon ambassador, and Deanne Fitzmorris, who is a Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize photographer, 
from the US as well. She's an icon ambassador. So uh, Deanne Fitzmorris, and she started Think Tank Photo with her husband. So uh, I'm sure you guys have all used their products at some point. Um, and the founder, Claire Hodgett, has, uh, has a scarf as well. So, and Victoria Hack, sorry, I have to say Victoria, of course, from, from BC and Canadian. So there's seven of us and I think there's 18 scarves, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Go to wildandexposed.com to today's show notes. Look at Michelle's wonderful imagery and these links will be there as well to potentially to support her scarf project that she'd worked on. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. You can find more of our work on Instagram, Facebook, at wildandexposed.com. Our audio podcasts come out every Tuesday, and the video versions go up on YouTube on Friday. Please give us a positive review, thumbs up, five-star rating. Those allow us to do what we'd love to do and to bring you this podcast on a weekly basis. Feel free to reach it with any comments or questions. We appreciate those. We feature many on, on future podcasts. We have one Coming up, that features listener questions. Tune in for that. Until next time, you've been listening to Wild and Exposed Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We got our windows down, driving down the 405, sing along to the radio. We're gonna make it someday Nothing's gonna get in our way